Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with my host, Chris Lisa, coming at you live from Long Island, New York. Chris, good day to you, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. I hope you're doing better than earlier in the week. We had a little a little thing, but uh, friends can be friends and still have little disagreements. And I know you were having a tough time of it, so, sir, I apologize, and I hope uh, I hope things are going better for you. I catch you, brother. Right on, right on. Well, we got a good show today. We've got Lou Johnson coming in to uh, talk a little Tampa Bay Lightning hockey. I hope we don't have to break up Chris and and Luke here as they battle Chris's beloved Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning coming on strong here at the end of the season, battling for that last playoff spot in the East. I think we can uh, keep everything under wraps and, and have a good conversation today. <laughs> Uh, Dana's going to be here. We're going to go down the Vegas lane. I got a couple of interesting topics to go over with Dana. We've had some, uh, some progress at the practice facility this week. Uh, a little bit of news about our AHL affiliate is starting to come out. So that looks to be a pretty interesting. We're going to get into some of the, some of the suspensions handed down this week. I heard Dana and Brian talking on the Vegas hockey hotline this week about, uh, their opinions on those suspensions uh, Ristolainen and Matthew Kachuk, and I, it was an interest, interesting conversation, and I'd like to get a few more points in um, and go over a little bit of that with Dana. But first, we're going to break the ice, and we'll go right to our rising and falling segment this week. And I've highlighted, and I did this a couple weeks ago, uh, we were talking with Matt Robinson about the Maple Leafs, and I said I could really see a scenario where the Islanders and Maple Leafs would both make the playoffs and the Bruins would, would find their way to slip out of that playoff spot. And so far, that has happened. Uh, after a big win, the Penguins, last night, the Islanders have moved into the eighth spot with a game in hand over Boston, and Toronto has come and passed them for number three in their division. So those are my risers this week, and, and we'll, we'll do a little talk about that, but falling this week, obviously, we're going to put the Boston Bruins on the top of that list. Um, honorable mentions go to the Los Angeles Kings, who had three games in uh, against Calgary and Edmonton each, respectively, six games, 12 points available, and they go up and, and lay the proverbial egg in the Western Canada swing there. Um not looking good. LA Kings, I'd, I'd say right now, they are not going to make the playoffs being eight points back. Um, so they're definitely falling. And they've got some soul searching to do in the offseason about who they are and where they want to go as a franchise. But let's get back into the Eastern Conference real quick. The the race is tightened up with Tampa Bay surging, Boston falling. Chris, how do you see that playoff race shaking up? Are things going to finish out the way they are right now? Yeah, I think it's going to come down to that last day the question is you know right now uh, I would put all four of those teams 
and two are going to make it. I don't even Toronto. I don't, you know, we, you know, going into last weekend, um, especially even though Boston lost that third game on the Western trip, they looked like they were strong and steady. And I, I think on the last week's show, we mentioned that if they could beat uh, Toronto, especially in regulation, they could really solidify themselves and take that next step and separate from the pack and get that third automatic spot. So while I think Toronto is, is, is close to making that step, they can easily, you know, with a loss or two, I think something to consider this week is, you know, Tampa Bay, I believe, early in the week, lost at home to Arizona. It was their third loss in a row. And they were going into Boston on Thursday night. And uh, I believe they were at 77 points and Boston was at 82. And you said to yourself, well, if they lose this game, the party is over. And they go into the third period, tied at three, and they have a big third period. They win that game. They win last night. Uh, their game in hand on Boston. Um, and now they're only one point behind them. And, and similarly for the Islanders, after a rough week last week, uh, I mentioned on the show last week that they had to have a big week. They've taken the first two yeah. steps. They won, it, they won at the Garden on Wednesday night. They won in Pittsburgh last night. And ironically, they were losing 2-1 on Wednesday night going into the third period against the Rangers. And I thought to myself, well, this is it. This is really the season, uh, the next 20 minutes or, you know, 20 minutes plus overtime. And they scored two big goals and came away with that 3-2. Uh, tonight's a huge game. Uh, I'm not going to say the winner is assured of anything and the loser is it's a death knell, but both the you know it's a huge game for two different reasons for both teams have a lot to lose, assuming the winner is in regulation. Um, the Islanders and the Bruins are both at 82 points. The Islanders do have a game in hand on Boston. So you might say, well, wait a minute. If they lose this game but then win their game in hand, they'll be tied with Boston again. Um, that is true. Now, one thing to keep in mind is Boston has a big advantage over both Tampa and the Islanders in this regard. They have the first tiebreaker. They have that, when you look at the standings and see that ROW category, regulation overtime wins, uh, they're up by three games over the Islanders currently and four over Tampa. And with the remaining games left, it's hard to see a mathematical equation where if those teams wound up tied, that Boston still wouldn't have that that tiebreaker. So from an Islanders standpoint, you have the game in hand, but really you have to finish ahead of Boston. And the only reason if you look at the standings uh, at any site today and you see the Islanders in that second wild card spot as of today and Boston right behind them is because they have that game in hand. Uh, so That's from right. That, from a Boston st- so from a Boston standpoint, uh, you're not thrilled that the Islanders – have have an extra game than you do. From the Islanders' standpoint, you're not thrilled that Boston has that tiebreaker because you can't finish tied with them. You have to be at least one point. You have to be one point better than them. So this is a very very big game for those two for those two squads. Uh, you know, if you're Tampa Bay, you just don't want uh, you don't want an overtime game because then uh, both teams right right right. And, you know, and then you got Toronto who's had a huge week. They beat Boston at home. They go in Columbus on Wednesday night. They win that game. And then coming home on Thursday, uh, I thought there could have been a subconscious mental letdown. Devils, uh, not that they wouldn't uh, give everything they got, but third game in four nights, and they took care of business that night. So, you know, they they don't – you know, nobody has an easy schedule down the stretch. Um, You know, you, you might say on paper the Islanders might have the easiest. But, you know, something to keep in mind, uh, and I'll kick it back to you in terms of uh, scheduling. Believe it or not, you know, there's good news, bad news. Like, if you look at last night, obviously the Islanders were in Pittsburgh. That's a very hard game. So that's that's kind of the bad news. The, you know, the good, you know, whereas, let's say, tonight, Toronto's in Buffalo. And Toronto's uh, issues in Buffalo for eons aside, you might say, well, Buffalo's out of the race. They're, you know, but... Those players are trying to make a last impression. They're at home. Absolutely. You know, those teams they have nothing to. That's they their have better rival to too. Right. They, yeah. Rivalry and they want to finish up on a good. And this is there in a, in a mini way their playoffs. You know. So 
they're yeah. going to want to finish up the best they can. And there's certain players, I'm sure, on that on those on that squad that maybe they want to get someone wants to get 20 goals or 15 goals or finish up with the best stats uh, within within their structure for the for their next contract and things like that. So whereas if you play another team, if you catch them right, like for instance, Pittsburgh played very hard last night. Don't get me wrong. But you know, same thing with the Rangers the night before uh, when they honestly played the Rangers. It wasn't. You know, we have to win this game based on where they are in the standings, even though Pittsburgh's trying to win the division. So you might catch a team like that to the medal. So uh, there's good and bad with those two kind of kind of scenarios. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I really do believe this will bare minimum come down to the last weekend. Uh, the question is going to be of these teams, who's going to control their own destiny and who won't? Yeah, and Toronto, they seem, you know, in the last week, 4-1-0, they seem to have, you know, got that proverbial second wind where uh, when we were speaking with Matt a couple, just a couple weeks ago, they were in a 3-7 three, three and seven slump, and he, he was thinking that they were they were tiring down the stretch and he wasn't optimistic about it, but but Nylander and, and uh, Marner especially, Matthews had a big goal the other night. We're going to start calling them the big three here, if not now, and uh, for a long time to come. They seem to have their second wind. And I, the only thing I would worry I'm all, I'm all, the only thing I would – go ahead. No, actually, the only thing I'm that almost I ready, say, I'm almost ready like, to put them in the playoffs. Yeah, the only thing I would say about that was almost like watching the – I don't know if anyone has a chance to watch the, the politics this week of – Nobody wanted to make a decree if something uh, Bill was going to get passed or not. So you remember, before uh, the Bruins uh, on this four-game losing streak, uh, they were one of the hottest teams in hockey. And, and you know, under the since the nah, that's change, true. They weren't. They weren't a big winning streak. Um, you know, now they they haven't lost to bad teams. I mean, this four-game losing streak, they lost in Edmonton, in Toronto, home to Ottawa, and home to Tampa. So, but point is. You know, they looked like, like I said, going even after losing in Edmonton to finish that road trip, uh, they went into, they were going into Toronto thinking, hey, guys, we win this game. Uh, we had Matt Robinson on, and he basically said uh, going into that game, if Toronto doesn't win it, uh, win that game, uh, the, the, you could kiss goodbye to three seeds. So that was kind of how close they were. So, and, and to kind of wrap this up, you know, Toronto as of today has 85 points. You know, the Islanders and the Bruins are 82, Tampa's 81. Uh, Toronto and the Islanders have a game in hand on Tampa and Boston, too, so that's a big plus. But if Toronto, let's say, were to lose let's say, tonight in Buffalo, which is definitely possible, and let's say the Islanders were to win or Boston or whatnot, a three-point game, you know, they're right up against it once again. So they they really only have kind of that one-game cushion out if they can, if they can over the next week go from that one-game cushion to a three-game cushion with a week to go, then, yeah, then you can almost write them in the playoffs. But I would be very careful with any of these teams. I This past week, I think the Islanders and Tampa, uh, for diff- different games, were really uh, facing the gauntlet, if you will. Uh, they still have a lot of work to do, but they're right there in the mix. Uh, so I, I really, like I said, I really don't know. Toronto doesn't have an easy schedule going down the stretch real quick. Um, five of their last, you know, they have nine games left, five at home. They go to Buffalo twice. They go to Nashville and Detroit, and their home games are Florida, Washington, Tampa, Pittsburgh, and the Blue Jackets. So, uh, you know, that's something to consider uh, down the stretch. But, you know, Chicago and Boston, although Boston has predominantly uh, home games, uh, you know, they're not easy as well. No, real quick in the West, it looks like the, the – Playoff positions are all set. The teams, the teams are in. I mean, but uh, the the seating still has to be somewhat sorted out. Right. Um, Anaheim did just tie San Jose for first in the Pacific, which would give a uh, what are we looking at? A Calgary Calgary Anaheim matchup in that first round. That would be an interesting series. The I'm going to say that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I had Minnesota as my honorable mention falling um, yep. not too long ago. They were they were sitting there up on Chicago. And, uh, I mean, you look up at the standings, and they're eight points back 
and I mean, they're locked into that number two seed. We're going to see a Minnesota-St. Louis or a Minnesota-Nashville first-round matchup there in in the Central Division. Um, but and the, Nashville, the Kings really have to – they almost have to run the table to really have a legitimate chance. Yeah, you got – we, we can, said, we can let the Kings that, go. No, I'm just saying – We they, can let you the know, Kings I go. Mean, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened, but they they really do almost have to run the table. I mean, if they were to lose tonight, and uh, you know Nashville, I think play, Nashville plays tonight. I'm uh, not sure about St. Louis. I mean, they they would be on the verge the, the verge of ten points back. So that's you know at this point, you know, eight points back is an awful lot. But uh, like I said, they almost have to run the table. Yeah, that's, their remaining games. That's that's pretty much done. We're just gonna. We're just going to find out where the Nashville-St. Louis thing ends up for third in the Central and then who's going to be the the one seed in the Pacific and he's going to play in that 2-3 game. Pretty much it to decide in the West. Um, well, I saw Dana on the on the hold, but he's blinked out. Dana, if you're listening, uh, go ahead and call back in. I, I think the switchboard dropped you off there. Um, getting into a little bit more of the uh, around the league segment, and I when if when Dana calls back, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this. A couple of suspensions came down this week, and and uh, there's Dana now. Well, we'd like to take this time to welcome Dana Lane to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. The uh, co-host with Brian Blessing on 1400 AM here in Las Vegas weekdays, one to two, and also can we say the play-by-play voice of the Division One. UNLV Rebels yet since the season's now officially over, sir. I, I believe you can at this point. We have not uh, officially, uh, or at least they haven't officially committed to me for next year, but I'm going to go with no news is go- good news, so we'll go with that so far. There you go. Okay, well, uh, I, I, I listened to a few of your games on the on the YouTube when I wasn't able to get down there and uh you know, first time ever sat behind the mic doing live play-by-play. I think you acquitted yourself quite well, sir. And uh, there's no need to change what isn't broken. Don't fix what's not broken, UNLV. <laughs> you got to give the man his due, sir. He stepped up and he and he filled some some shoes for you, so he gets his return engagement. If you ask the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Oh well, that's nice of you. How you say. doing? Uh, you know, I, I'm doing good, man. I. Uh... A lot's gone on this week, and um, of course the uh, the Golden Knights come one step, one week closer to uh, getting on the ice and getting that expansion draft going. So, you know, every week that goes by is uh, is another week that we get to uh, get closer to seeing Las Vegas and, and hockey at T-Mobile. Absolutely, a couple couple three things about the Knights uh, to get into this week. Uh, we we kind of started down the road of the Vegas front office thinking outside the box theme last week and this week we got some more outside the box news that they have officially mm-hmm. contracted with Cirque du Soleil for their entertainment providers if you will are we going to be seeing uh the Cirque du Soleil acrobats sailing around the permissions well according to the press release that we all had um apparently there'll be four nights a week where that will be uh where they will be featured, and I would I would assume as the, as it is the case when uh, they are featured at other things that they will be there in some capacity, which will be cool. But you know, I mean, it's uh, it's good. It's like we talked about. I mean, you, you've got to you've got to have these relationships with the entities here that run the town, and and you almost hundred uh, percent. You know, you you elevate yourself by association and. I've always said this a million times. I mean, back in the day, you know, back when we were discussing, you know, how do we get more people out to the 51s? How would it, how do we get more people out to, uh, you know, this team and that team? We'll stop working as for entities and start working together because you have the same problem. There's no reason why you can't do more than one acknowledgement a year of UNLV baseball or UNLV baseball could acknowledge the 51s and have a partnership rather than running as separate businesses. No, for sure. I mean, that's just, 
that's just common sense, stronger together, weaker divided, right? I mean, that's not just a business principle. That's a, that's a life philosophy. If you do embrace those around you and, the, and they're getting stronger, then you're going to be getting stronger as well. And I think that the UNLV hockey team absolutely benefited from uh, having the Vegas Knights in town. And we've seen their profile grow just this year um, from having a, a loose affiliation there with the Golden Knights and, and the even even just small things like having the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter account tweet out uh, good yes. luck messages to the Rebels going off to the ACHA does a huge thing. It, it it involves people that are into the Golden Knights thing and may not even necessarily know that UNLV has a club hockey team. But but when you when you're co-promoting like that and and me and you have talked about this before and uh, uh, how to co-promote you know each other to to a large extent. Um, when 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 you can just expose each other, there's no reason not to do it because it benefits everybody involved. Well, it's certainly better for the sport, and I, you know, we made this, um, or I guess I'll take credit for it this week. Uh, you know, I made this point, and look, you know, the the win and the Venetian are probably sending best wishes cards to each other on a regular basis, but I do know this. They do need each other to thrive, just like um, you know. Last summer, when we were when they were deciding where the NHL award show was going to be, and I talked to Rick Arpin for the MGM, and I said, "Geez, you know, I, I, that, that kind of stinks that it's not going to be at an MGM property." And of course, at the time, we were still trying to determine whether or not we were actually getting a team. So you know, we were reading right. between the lines of everything that was going on, but. You know, it ended up being at the Hard Rock, which was a, a fantastic facility to have it in. And Rick said, "Look, you know, we'd rather if, if we can't get it done on our in our properties because of scheduling or, or size that they're looking for versus you know what the MGM can offer. We would rather have it down the road at somebody else's <coughs> property rather than lose the event to some other city. So you know, I mean, that's kind of the way that." Uh, I think all the, all sports have to interact, and if the Raiders come here, um, I I just hope that it's not a us and them type thing. I or a, a them against us type thing. I hope it's an us thing. It's the, it's the Golden Knights and the Raiders in a in in you know arm in arm, and here we go for the better of sports in our city. They're going to have to do that. And and you mentioned the win. The official announcement that the NHL was coming to Las Vegas was held at the Encore property. That wasn't even at a MGM facility. So the the, the yeah. cross-promotion continues in the outside-the-box thinking by – it starts at the top with Bill Foley. And he's well diversified in his business uh, business interests. And, and he's bringing that into this, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fantastic. Um, moving on, we did get a little bit of news about the AHL affiliation this week, and it yes. could be rumor and hearsay, but it looks like they're going to actually be owning their AHL franchise and not uh, partnering up with, let's say, the Chicago Wolves was rumored for a while. What what can you tell us about that? That's good news. Yeah, uh, that was kind of interesting as well. Um, of course, George McPhee was good enough to have a conference, uh, conference call with the season ticket holders, which I was able to get on. Um, and the, um, you know, the news that came out of that was, you know, somebody had asked him about the AHL affiliate and he said, you know, um, probably we are going to be the ones in control of the AHL affiliate rather than the opposite, which we thought, uh, they were going to send a few players. And, you know, in all honesty, I mean, I thought, well, shoot, I, I thought this all along, I don't really understand why you couldn't fill a team and, and then have, so you know, have other teams send some filler players. Um, because, you know, honestly, you're going to be able to fill, in theory, an NHL team through the expansion draft alone, and then you have, you know, the amateur draft and, and the, any other moves that you might make. So, you know, it didn't seem like that they yeah. would be it would be so out of the realm of conversation that they'd be able to field an AHL team, considering how top-heavy I anticipate, anticipate them being in goal and on defense, uh, up the middle, at the center position, you know, these guys need a place to play, and not everybody can make an NHL roster. Yep, yep. Well, let me let me bring in Chris. I, I do want to get to uh, – I caught um, a little bit of your conversation. Your guys are right in my drive time on the Vegas Hockey Hotline. And your your conversation about the Ristolayan and compared to the Kachuk suspensions, 
it was really interesting. I wanted to get a couple points in on that and get your take on that. But let me bring in Chris and see if he has anything for you this week before I jump into that. We've got about five minutes left. Hey, Dana. Uh, great to talk to you as usual. Um, regard, regarding uh, Vegas, I was thinking about this this week. You know, we're, we're believe it or not, already at the at the end of March, and you know, a month of now from now we'll be at the end of April. And the last couple of years, the NHL has had their uh, they've done the NHL lottery show usually about two weeks into the playoffs on a Saturday night. And I, I said to myself, you know, at the end of April, we're going to know that first ping, you know, where Vegas is, uh, you know, precious first round pick is going to be anywhere from one to six. And with the NHL season ending in a uh, couple of weeks, odds are by that time, I would think they would have a head coach because they be about two months away from the expansion draft and the amateur draft, and they would want to bring that person on, on board, I would think, then. So I think these are a, a huge 30 days or so for the franchise. Well, Chris, tell me when the Dallas Stars season ends, and I'll tell you when they uh, probably will be hot and heavy after their next coach. Uh, that's, the, that's the thinking, I, I guess, that I get mostly from most people because – you know, that seems to add up about Lindy Ruff coming to Vegas, which I think is uh, a decent fit. But there, in all honesty, Chris, there is part of me that says we still haven't heard that name yet. And, and the reason why it gives me some pause, or, or McPhee's words give me some pause, is the tone of his desire for a coach. And, and I know Lindy's not that old. Um tone is we want somebody here for the long run and we want somebody to grow with this organization and and I guess when I quickly think is Lindy a guy do you think you know he would be happy with this being his last stop or would he want to grow with an organization I, I guess the word that always comes out with out of that is no and so I think that if if a Gallant or a Capuano was their guy I think that they would have already been in discussions with those guys. Um, there has been some talk that, hey, look, maybe the coach or the head coach is already on the staff. Maybe it's a Mike Polino. Maybe it's a Kelly McCrimmon. I mean, maybe that's how they got him to, to come here when Toronto didn't. Um, I, but I, I think it's not there's, – there's a gut feeling of mine that just says it's not one of the top names that we have heard so far. Just real quick before we uh, that wouldn't off surprise me. Mark, oh, don't you think, Dana, that you know? I mean, basically, the teams that don't make the playoffs, they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna stick with their coach or not, that will be a pretty quick decision. And you know, within three or four or five days after the regular season, and George McPhee will truly know. Okay, this is who the field's been up to now. This is yeah. I know what the final field looks like. You know, I want to meet with you know whoever. That's why we. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I we kind of we've asked them a couple times about this too because even leading up to this, I said you know, it, it, you know, you have two guys that are available right now, and this is why I don't think it's either Capilano or Gallant because you know I look at the time that you still had some mock drafts to go through, and if you really wanted those guys. Uh, and they were willing to come here, um, you know, I would have thought you would you have pull the trigger. more room through this process. Yeah. And so far, that right. there, there's not only has not been that decision made, but there's absolutely been no smoke in relation to that decision. So, or to either of those guys. So, you know, best on the outside, you're, you're certainly looking at Lindy Ruff, but my gut, my gut tells me it's not Lindy uh, because uh, he, he he fits somewhat with what McPhee wants, but there's a few uh, traits that McPhee says that he's also looking for that, that I'm not sure Lindy fits. Well, real quick, um, I wanted to, to touch on the philosophy of intent versus result as, as regards to the player safety board. And the two incidents that came out this week where Rich Lyonen got a three-gamer and Matthew Kachuk took two games. It illustrates that point. And very rarely, I'll just say surprisingly enough, you and Brian both agreed on the subject. Um, yeah, yeah. 
boring. The intent of Kachuk to blast his elbow through Drew Doughty's head is unmistakable. Because Doughty got up and skated away and resumed play and wasn't injured, I think was a large part of the decision why Kachuk only got two games. And Rusalainen was lined up for a hip check, you know, hit him, hit him in the back, in the chest, um, but his head whiplashed enough to where the, the Penguins player, and, and like you guys made the point on the show, it was a hockey play. If the puck doesn't get deflected coming up the boards, it's a perfectly timed, beautiful hip check. And, and we're looking at it on the highlight reels. But because that player was injured, regardless of intent, um, Rusalina is with a three-gamer. And, and just real quick, your, your philosophy that and you were talking get, about and is... And Crosby gets zero. Yeah, for, for stack, you know, stick-tapping his jewels there. Um, and and, and the, the Rusalina hit also, it's a, effectively a four-game suspension because he was tossed out of the game and missed 51 minutes of, of that game. So just, just does the NHL need to put more of an emphasis on the intent than the results of a play when reviewing these decisions? No, you, you, you cannot sit there and say, well, this is the result of what happened, so therefore this is going to be the suspension. That's ridiculous. Otherwise, you know, I, yeah. you know there was, there's some guys that don't get hurt after completely getting speared or, you know, hit from behind or whatever. Uh, so if you don't get hurt, then I guess the suspension is a little bit less. I mean, that absolutely makes no it's sense. Ridiculous. And it makes as much sense as the league turning the other cheek when it comes to Brad Marchand, when it comes to Sidney Crosby. You know, what Crosby did to O'Reilly was absolutely, I mean, it has nothing to do Criminal. with physical <laughs> hockey. As a, well, I won't go as no. far as blessing, but I will say that to me is dirty hockey. Dirty, dirty is different it's than a dirty physical. Play. And I don't care if that has happened to Sidney Crosby more times than not. That's fine. But that is dirty hockey. And I even forgive that a little bit more than the slash that, that absolutely was, you know, resulted in a, a you know, in the gruesome, uh, you know, the, well, we all seen the video. So Tip of his finger ripped off, forgive, right? Yeah, yeah, very nice. So I, um, I would almost forgive that more than I would, you know, with the the stick to to O'Reilly. I mean, it, that's a hockey play for sure. But I think the one thing that really bothers me about Sid is his reaction after the slash, and it was almost like I don't, I could care less type thing. And that's, I don't know if that's the if that's the face of your league. And I try to think about how would I react in that situation if I saw um, my actions cause a finger to be dangling. Um, I think I would have had a little bit more remorse because of the person that I am. And because of Crosby's actions, that showed me the person that he is. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta... I got to agree with you, and we got to leave it there. I've got Luke Johnson on the line. We're about ready to talk about some Tampa Bay Lightning hockey. Dana, great conversation cool. as always. We're putting together a uh, uh, playoff preview here for in a couple weeks, and I want to touch base with you on that during the week, and maybe we can talk you into joining sure. us for the whole show as as we get the uh, playoff set uh, coming up in a couple weeks. So we'll talk touch base on that and see if we can't get your schedule lined up. That'll be a good time, sir. Thank you, as always, for joining us great conversation as usual well thank you i appreciate it and i i love to do that hope you guys have a good week you too Dan. all right you too buddy thank Take you care. and now we'll welcome in luke johnson the hockey writers contributor for the tampa bay lightning we went a little bit over on that we were talking about the suspensions that came this week luke but thank you for joining us sir oh no problem thanks for having me oh it's all good it's all good um well let's let's uh let's kick right off the the Tampa Bay Lightning are making a a surge for that last playoff position in the East, and I saw a little a little tidbit on the NHL Network this year on Kucherov and his his play over the last 15 games or so. Um, is it fair to say he's taking this team on his shoulders and uh, is pulling them aggressively toward that last spot in the East? Oh, absolutely, and I would even say it's been since the All Star break. He's He's been leading the league okay. in points since January 30th, right after the All-Star break. And coincidentally, since then, you know, the Lightning were 
the second worst team in the East at that time with only 50 points. And since he's been playing so well, they're now at 81 points and, you know, just a point behind that last wild card spot. So, yeah, absolutely. Kucherov has just, just been playing outstanding, heartworthy, uh, and really the only reason why it's a lightning here where they're at right now. Yeah, well, I'm Mark Warner. We're on the Vegas Hockey Podcast talking some Tampa Bay Lightning. Let me bring in my co-host, Chris Lisa. And, uh, you know, you know, Chris, he's reached out to you for the show. And let, let me get Chris involved in the conversation. Chris? Hey, Luke, great to have you join the show for the first time. So, you know, Luke, before the season started, and me and Mark and others were on the show were kicking around the, the, the elite teams in the East, and everyone was pretty much in agreement who the top three were, you know, depending upon the order. The Capitals, the Penguins, of course, and the Lightning. And I understand that they have, once again, been without Steven Stamkos for the majority of the season. But what has gone wrong? I mean, they still make the playoffs, obviously. You know, last year they didn't have Stamkos. They nearly won the division. Um, even without him, they, they almost got to the uh, – uh, you know, to the finals there, one game away. What in your estimation, why has this team been so up and down, if you will? Well, yeah, obviously not having Stamkos, one of the best players in the league, it doesn't help. But they've been hit by the injury bug all year. Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, they've missed time. Frank Callahan's been out since January. Uh, the defense has been a little inconsistent, but I wouldn't say that they've been horrible. The goaltending has also been inconsistent. Bishop wasn't, when he was on the team, wasn't playing well. And when Vasilevsky came in, uh, he wasn't playing very well. So they've just been inconsistent. And I don't think it's because of the shuffling of the lineup. Even to this day, they've been having so many call-ups and had changing lines. And I just don't think they've found their groove at the beginning of the season and losing Stamkos in November. You know, someone had to step up and... You know, they were playing well after Stamkos came out, but then, then with the injuries, you know, all around, they just it just wasn't going well. But now that they've been a little bit healthier, and, you know, obviously with Kucherov and Vasilevsky getting the number one job and him playing so well, they've been on a little roll here lately. Now, a lot of people I've talked to about the Lightning, the, the, the theme that seems to come up is, this team needs another top four defenseman that, you know, Hedman's great, you know, uh, Strawman is, is solid, but it's really been a down year for all their other defensemen. Do, do you agree with that, that that should be Eisen, number one on Eisman's uh, uh, wish list in the offseason? Yeah, I, I do. And, like, you know, Jason Garrison, he's a great player. His contract is probably too much than what he deserves, but he, he's he's been up and down. Same with Braden Colburn. Uh, those are your top four right there, and those are the only four they have on contract for uh, for next season anyway. Uh, but when you look at free agency, you got Kevin Shattenkirk. I don't know if they are in the running for him. Uh, other than that, you know, you have Michael Delzato, Michael Stone, Chris Russell, but I don't know if those guys are even considered top four quality defensemen. So the cover's kind of bare when it, when they, when you try and find top four defensemen in free agency. Maybe they're just going to see if Jake Dotson can fill in there because he's been playing well with Victor Hedman on that top pairing. Maybe they just roll with that and then just get some guys to fill in the the last two, the bottom two spots in the defensive pairing. There's a team that might have a glut of. There's a team that might have a bunch of uh, middle pair defensemen available here come the expansion draft. They might want to make a deal with Vegas because. Uh, that's, they're going to get free run at, at at quite a few defensemen here. So maybe maybe if you guys want to keep Lemesnikov and send a second round pick our way for that, we could take someone else and maybe send you one of our eight or nine defensemen that we're going to take. But, but I, I I digress. Let me kick let me kick it back to Chris. I know he's got one more question for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one more. And I'll kick you over to Mark. Uh, you know, uh, you don't have to convince me on joining. Uh, Cooper Luke, I'm a fan. Uh, I'm probably biased being out here in Long Island, New York, and we went to school here. But you know, there were there were rumblings when things weren't going well during the season uh, that it's possible that there could have there could be a change behind the bench. If Tampa comes up a little bit short for the, to make the playoffs, do you think that's even a, any kind of possibility? 
no, not after this season. Uh, just with what he's had no. to work with, you know, losing all those guys. And I, I think he's done a, an incredible job getting them to where they're at, uh, considering what they've had to go through with the injuries and just the, you know, had, they trade Brian Boyle, they trade Bishop, and then you think that, yeah, they're probably, you know, it, season's over, we're just going to, you know, wait, work for next year. And then they're still in a, you know, have an opportunity to make the playoffs. I think John Cooper's done an incredible job behind the bench. Now, next year, if they fall short of expectations again, then there's a conversation about that. But just this one season, if they fall short a point or two, uh, I don't think Eisenman will cut ties with him just because of that. No, look, I'm a big John Cooper fan. I love Sometimes when you Hello, have the adversity, they say that. No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was about Hello? four seconds. We, it was quiet. Oh, yeah. I hear you good. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was just saying I'm a big John Cooper fan. And, and sometimes, as they say, when adversity, uh, you know, cream rises to the to the top in the face of adversity, um, there's an argument to be made that getting this team in one point from a playoff spot with two weeks left in the season after everything they've had to deal with this, this season might be one of his better coaching, uh, coaching jobs for the lightning. Um, it's, it's all free and easy when, when you're riding, riding high and all your players are there and everything's set and uh, everyone's bought into the system. But uh, when you, when you have AHLers coming in and out, uh, in and out of the lineup all year and your defense pairs are mixed and matched and like you said trying to get the forward lines together with all the injuries they had to get the team to rise up like you said after the all-star all-star break and pass six or seven teams to get themselves right on the cusp of making the playoffs um I, you got you can't you can't put any of that on mr cooper i'm a big john cooper fan um yeah but that being I, said, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to coach uh, when you have steven Stamkos for sure no, hundred percent, hundred percent. You look but, down. Yeah, the like you're saying, years, the way he's been playing, it's just like the having. It really shows how you are as a coach. Like you have a superstar on your team, it makes makes life a lot easier. But once you lose him, that really shows the quality of a coach that you are having to, you know, like you said, battle this adversity. And I think I think he's done a phenomenal job. Well, I think I think that uh, along with Tortorella. And, um, you know, Boudreaux's going to get some run. They Cooper sh- should be in in the running for the Jack Adams. Um, that's that's a great coaching job I did this year. I don't think, you know, we, you know, if if they let him go, we'd love to have him here in Vegas. I'll put it that way. He coaches the kind of hockey <laughs> sport he wants to put on the ice. The, 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 the fast, the exciting, activate the defensemen, um, get them up in the play, make it a five-man unit, rotate. Uh, forwards covering up the center of the blue line if the defenseman activates. I just love the system and the way he does that. But wh- one of the problems this year with the Lightning has been the goalie situation and having to move having to move Bishop to the Kings for a fourth round pick at the trade deadline. Probably not the way that that situation could have been handled. Um, in the you know in the off season preseason, the rumor was the Stars were hot and heavy to to get. Bishop out of there and I don't know if you know of any of the packages that Dallas offered to Tampa for Bishop at that point but I got to believe it was more than just a fourth round pick so having that uncertainty and goal throughout the year and then the injuries too has that affected Vasilevsky at all do you think uh you mean since the trade or before the trade um, before the trade, since the trade, you know he's number he's the horse, and they're gonna ride him. But and um, but before the trade, going into the season, even middle of the season, he hadn't been playing the kind of hockey that was you know certainly expected right. of him. Yeah, and I, I think it probably was you know hanging over him, you know whether or not he was gonna, you know Bishop was gonna be shipped out or if, and he was gonna be the number one. Uh, he's not, he was he's the number one guy, and he showed that in the the Stanley Cup playoffs when Bishop was hurt sure. against the Chicago Blackhawks. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's hard, you know, uh, when you have kind of that controversy. I guess you could say whether or not Bishop's going to stay, whether he's that he's going to go, and I think he probably did. You know, 
it's hard to say if what goes around through a goalie's mind because they're all a little quirky, but uh, right. I think since Bishop's <laughs> gone, since Bishop's been gone, that has kind of relieved some of that pressure now that he Vasilevsky knows he's the number one guy. He can just go out there and play and know that, yeah, it's my game mostly every night. And I think he's uh, his play has responded too since the trade deadline. It's co- not coincidentally that they're they're you know playing some of the best hockey of the season there. Um, real quick uh, before we got to let you go, um, getting on to the Vegas angle and the expansion draft. Um, who's who, who's going to be available, and who do you think would be the best fit? for a, a, a franchise just starting out that might be below the radar of some people looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning? Well, it's, it's going to be interesting because they can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender, and, you know, obviously you got protecting Stamkos, Callahan, Kucherov, Kalorn, probably Nemestikov, but then you also have Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat who are going to be RFAs. Are they going to want to keep both of them? Probably. So I would think that somebody that I, if, if I were Vegas would be interested in it is uh, Jason Garrison. Uh, I think if the Lightning get rid of his four four six cap hit, that can relieve, you know, they can go out in free agency. Uh, plus, I think working from the goaltending out is the best way to start up a team and having a veteran guy like Jason Garrison running uh, a young expansion team, I think that would be beneficial for Vegas. Now, and you just never know whether or not, you know, that's what Eisenman is thinking, but if I, if that was me, that's how I would do it, because you want to protect your forwards, and then, of course, Hedman, Strawman, and uh, most of your defense. I think Garrison can be expendable because of his cap hit. Uh, You'll have some more room for, you know, more signings. Maybe you can go after Shattenkirk and free agency if you get rid of some of that. Real quick, then, then I'm sorry, well, what? Uh, wouldn't he have to be exposed? Is it going to have to protect Druin? Uh, what about, say that again about Druin? Uh, doesn't Druin have to be uh, protected? Most of my mind melt here. Doesn't Druin have to be protected? And that would probably mean, unless they can get Callahan and wave his no move, uh, they're going to have to expose Nanemstaclaw? Uh, yeah, uh, but, you know, Druin is a, is an RFA after this year, uh, so they would have to sign him, you know, right before that and then maybe expose him. Uh, he was somebody I thought, yeah, they could expose because of kind of the hostile relationship they've had with one another, Druin and management, but he's been playing pretty decent this year, and, uh, I would think that they would, they would try and keep him. Uh, but I could also. Yeah, I, I think George McTee would be very happy to take him off your hands. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it'd be hard because he's got such great talent, but you know, he's just kind of a. He was a distraction. I think it's been a little better this year than last season when he's asking for a trade and everything. For sure. But that'll be an interesting. Uh, that'll be an interesting development. What they do with Drew, it's something I'm looking forward to seeing how they deal with that. But with Nemestikov, I thought maybe Nemestikov could be exposed, but uh, he's another guy that'd be hard to to let go just with the production he has this year, especially. Well, I got to give Drew in full marks for being able to resurrect um, any kind of relationship with the Lightning after, you know, the debacle that was last season. Um, oh, absolutely. You know. Not you know refusing to report, uh, but then finally reporting down to the A and doing what he needed to do. Um, I gotta believe Eiserman's not the kind of guy who you thumb your nose at, and not that Eiserman would hold a grudge against a player, but I I would think that you're gonna have to go above and beyond to put yourself back in good graces with that management. Um, so I I right. give you in full marks for being able to humbly come back and and resume his NHL career. He belongs in the NHL if he can keep his head on straight, obviously. But uh, I, I, I was fully critical of him at the time for being that young of a player and thinking that, that you're all that. And then um, I've right. always and been fully recognizing of the fact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I've, always, I've also been fully cognizant of his, his personal efforts to – 
uh, resurrect himself with the franchise. And if he's on the board, um, that's got to be someone that Vegas is going to take a look at for sure. But uh, interesting, interesting with the, the garrison. That's not something I had thought about. Um, Chris, you got anything else before we got to let him go for the day? No, but Luke, thanks for uh, being on, and we look forward to having you back. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's going to be an interesting stretch for the Lightning. Uh, they uh, pretty much hold their own destiny. they got to keep winning, and Boston's helping them out a little bit, but they need some help from the Islanders, too. So thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no problem, no problem. Good talk, good talk. You guys can uh, you guys can follow Luke on thehockeywriters.com and the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's one of the main contributors for the Lightning over at thehockeywriters.com, so make sure you go over there and check out all his stuff. Um, do you have anywhere else that you link your through that you want to get out there? Oh no, not really. That's about it. Okay. Well, thanks again for coming on, and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, Chris. That was Luke Johnson of the Hockey Writers. Uh, put him on some some good insights there into the 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 expansion portion of the conversation yeah, but also into uh yeah go ahead one last point I was talking to matt Pryor the other day and he thinks that uh tampa is gonna try to see if they can get callahan to waive that no move clause uh easier said than done um callahan might be willing to do that simply because he's had a real uh, uh tough year with injuries i don't know where that stands in terms of long term for him if there's any question marks, he has a very good cap hit, uh, to say the least. He's a good player when uh, when healthy. But um, he thinks that uh, – Matt thinks that that's a possibility, and then uh, that will that will free up Tampa in terms of not losing one of those forwards after moving Filpola. Um, I could – yeah, I agree with him that Tampa would love to see that. But the only thing is maybe uh, Callahan would be taken by Vegas. I think he's signed for three more years, and if they feel like – He's passed his injuries. Uh, you know, five point eight million for three years is not is not is not like a horrible contract or anything like that. Well, that's per- the only difference between that and Dustin Brown's contract is a couple of years on the back end, and they're they're right. pretty similar players production wise. Um, one of them has two Stanley Cup rings and, and captain the first American captain to raise the Stanley Cup. So if they can make an argument to take Callahan at pretty much the same cap it then you could make the argument that Dustin Brown would be the better selection at that cap hit. Well, I, and I then think, go I with one of those younger, higher-skilled players. Right. I think the big the big key when looking at those two deals, and you make an excellent point, though, is it is a big to-do that one's, let's say, a three-year deal uh, three more years ago and one's five more years ago. So I, I think that I, – I, I think if George McPhee loves the player – uh, I could see him saying, like, taking a chance. I think taking a chance on someone like that who has, let's say, two more years on his contract, I, I think he'd be, uh, as long as he really is high on the player, uh, I, I don't think he's going to have a problem with that. I think three, he's going to have to, it has to be more than really like the player. And anything beyond that, I think it's yeah. going to have to be, you know, love. You know, so. Um, no, um, for sure. I, I agree with that. Am, I'm actually a little disappointed, Mr. McPhee, that. I figured after our expansion mock draft show last week, we would have been uh, received a call from him, you know, having been on the show and saying, you know, guys are listening to the show. I want you to come in. I'd like to pick your brain more, but uh, <laughs> uh, well, it, ha- it hasn't happened yet. But for all you out there, check it out. Uh, check out the show. Uh, you can follow our shows on uh, SoundCloud as uh, well as Block Talk Radio. It's the Mock Expansion Draft Show. We go through all 30 teams, and uh, it's a good listen, I feel. So uh, uh, check that out. Hopefully, make uh, sure you go over to thehockeywriters.com too. The I'm a I'm a figure. We had some audio difficulties too with uh, that that episode and a couple others, and and I hope today sounded a little bit better. But um, go to thehockeywriters.com podcast page. Also, we're on there with a lot of other good podcasters. for for hockey uh, affiliated with thehockeywriters.com, so make sure you get over there and check that out. Well, uh, next week we're going to talk some next New York Rangers, Rangers. hockey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Dianora, the hockey Dianor. writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a 
he's a good good writer. He's uh he's a good listen. Uh, uh, at that point, uh, it looks like the Rangers are pretty much going to be that number one wild card. The question is going to be, and and real quick, we haven't touched base. We touched base on a couple of big games tonight. You know, another one being Ottawa and Montreal. Uh, Montreal has ninety. Yeah, points. yeah, yeah. Ottawa had, had first had place 90. on the line. It's the last meet. Yeah, and it's the last meeting of the season for these two teams. I think it's the their third meeting in the last eight days or something like that. So, and Montreal won the other two. So uh, Montreal shellacked like the them last the time out. Yeah, it looks like the, the Rangers are going to get one of those two teams. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if that – you might be better off finishing second in that division than first. But uh, anyway – Right, right. Uh, uh, of course, from a fan's perspective, you want to see the uh, – uh, an American fan's perspective. I got to say a Canadian fan probably wants to watch Ottawa Montreal or Ottawa Rangers in the first round. But uh, – I don't know. Maybe Canadians fans are hungry for some uh, for another bout with the New York Rangers, first round playoff action. I don't know. Well, that would be a great series. I feel like uh, I feel like you got to. Yeah, I mean, you got to love the original series. six, right? Yeah. Well, I, even if it's Ottawa, I know they're not original six, but I, I feel that would be a very even matchup, a very entertaining series, a very long series. Uh, I know this sounds like a cop-out, but I really do feel like that would be flip a coin on who's going to win that series. So I, I, I think, you know, when we talk about our, uh, when we get into our playoff preview show, I think most of us are going to feel that's, you know, on paper, a chance to be the best, the best series of the bunch for the first round. I really do, uh, or one of one of the one of the top two. Um, so we'll get Tom's thoughts, all things New York Rangers. Uh, we really haven't had a Ranger guest on in a while. That is not, believe it or not, uh, have nothing to do with that. But uh, we're looking forward to having Tom on. It'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be a fun time. It'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Well, we'll, we'll so, if we get Vegas and, Vegas Lane lined up for that uh, playoff preview show, we're going to have all the odds, all the all the moves, all the all the line moves, the favorites and the dogs and everything broke down price per series. So. We'll get a good feeling what the books have in mind uh, as far as how close that series may or may not be. So that, that, that'll that be a fun yep. addition to the show this time around, get a little more of a Vegas angle. Yep, yep, no no doubt. And uh, like I said, we'll see. We've got some big games between now and next week's show. So it'll be interesting to see. i yep. I, I got to feel that it's still going to be uh, – it's going to be very similar in terms of all the teams on top of each other. Uh, but we'll see. Tonight, obviously, huge night uh, for the Bruins and the Islanders. So uh, um, that's that's a big game. So uh, if it goes to overtime, well, hey, that will take a little bit of this thing away for whoever loses, because uh, you're still the only. Uh, right, right. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that uh, that plays out. Well, I wanted. We talked a little bit earlier with Dana, and it was just at the tail end about the suspensions this week. And I, I didn't get a chance to get your take on what you thought of, of the Ristolainen and Kachuk hits and what what your opinion of the duration of the the suspensions was warranted, not warranted, dirty hit, clean hit. Yeah. What, what, was, what did you think about those? Uh, you know, it, it keeps reminding me of a moving target and, uh, you know, kind of like uh, – Offsides, what is offsides, what isn't offsides, wasn't that offsides, wait, I'm confused. And, you know, same thing in regards to suspension in terms of, well, yeah, that was, it looked bad, but it was a hockey move. I understand the player really got hurt. Players do get hurt. Um, you know, and then you have the star it's treatment a physical situation. Game. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the star treatment situation, it seems like. There's nothing, Sydney. I mean, I, I say this, I guess, a little tongue-in-cheek. There's nothing Sydney Cross we can do uh, to get suspended uh, or players of his ilk. So I am, I am probably as an overall team, just really fed up with the inconsistencies of it all and uh, and the, the the star treatment that that certain players get. And I've been saying this for eons. It's got it's got it's got to get better. It's got to change. But I really haven't felt good about how they do, do suspensions for quite some time. 
No, and Ristolainen isn't what you'd call like the in the repeat no. offender program, I don't believe. And he had his back to the guy lined up for a hip check coming out of his own zone. And and if the puck doesn't get deflected along the boards, um, it's a beautifully timed hit. Now you can't you can't play the game holding back and and waiting to see if someone is about to get possession of the puck. You have to play the game as if the you know the puck is going to be there. It is a hockey play that went right. that went bad because the puck was deflected on it. I don't see an intent there. He didn't elbow the head. He didn't contact. There was some incidental contact with the head, I would say. But as the league says, principal point of contact was basically his butt and his back. Um, and the player was moving at the time. Um, it's a bang bang play. Um, yeah, just yeah, and, and, and maybe it's a little bit carryover to play. If results to get into coming yeah. to play, how is Crosby not suspended at all when you know Ottawa lost the good defenseman uh, probably through at least the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, exactly. And and you know slashing is is uh, Dana said was kind kind of more of a, it's obviously more of a hockey play than jamming your stick up between the guy's legs from behind, but. Uh, yeah, it's still a penalty, and if if you're gonna yeah. legislate uh, results over intent, um, you got to say the Matthew Kachuk play. And I was watching the game live, and and the referee that was right down there on the goal line was staring out into the crease and didn't even see it, or raised his arm for a penalty on the play. It wasn't until uh, they carried the puck around to the far side and, and started coming out of the corner when one of the Kings blasted him and flipped him on his head that. Um, things got sorted out and Kachuk got two minutes as well and went to four on four situation. Um, maybe one of the guys up at the line raised his hand for a penalty, but there wasn't even a penalty called originally on the play. And his intent clearly was to blast his elbow up into Dowdy's chops. Um, right. and, and then he gets the two games and he, he is known as a player, even as young as the end that kind of plays on the edge of the rules a little bit. And then he's not a repeat offender, but the reputation starting to be there with that guy. Yeah, and like you said, even if, you know, thankfully, uh, uh, the player in this case, Dowdy, was able to walk away, if you look at the play and say, well, dodged a bullet on that one, well, it shouldn't be like, well, because he dodged a bullet, it's two games. If the guy would have got hurt, you know, it, it's uh, six games, let's say. Five well, games. No. Well, yeah, right. We, yeah, five games. No, no, no. Well, how about we we get this out of the game? Or, you know, again, there's, there's one thing about playing tough. There's another thing about playing dirty. And I don't, I, I don't want to see players like Drew Dowdy or any, any good players or any player for that matter. Uh, any player, player, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, from a from a cheap shot. Goes, yeah, someone goes way over the line. Uh, they should be, they should be accounted for. It. They're held accountable for it. Yeah, uh, and and we're on the same page. And I think a lot. Uh, how he's going to learn is if someone like Clifford comes along and and. Yeah, well, if Cliff, if someone like Clifford comes along, I mean, the game's so important at this point of the season that you can't you can't take five minutes, inst- you know, the instigator in the game misconduct for going after the guy later in the game. But if if someone comes along and bashes bashes his face in, he's going to think twice about throwing his elbows out there next time. And that's why I think that the increase in cheap shots and dirty play around the league is directly related to trying to legislate out players like George LaRock and, and George Peros and, and, you know, guys that have a purpose, Scott Thornton, um, guys that have a purpose on the team is to protect those players. Um, and you legislate that out. And then. I was just going to say, just to wrap up and have a, if you do have a guy who's a good, who's a good role player like Matt Morton, who can be a really strong fighter, uh, it, you know, absolutely. Be, you know, maybe they'll. Uh, uh, it's a big difference. What, who was it? Uh, I, I think it was uh, Matt Robinson. We had we had him on comparing last year's Leafs team to getting pushed around. Well, people know now when they play Toronto that you know if you do a knucklehead move, uh, you know, Mr. Martin, he's not looking to. F- you know, he will fight, and I don't think I've ever seen him lose. Oh, he'll draw. He'll stand up for his uh, teammates. There's no question about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I might like him yeah, for the cool, Vegas Knights uh, a little bit more now because you're you're going to have to have a player like that with all the young kids on that yeah. team. 
Yeah, it's not a lot of players like him in the league like that, you know, especially uh, from that standpoint, you know. Well, the, well, the Kings have Cliffy and Jordan Nolan, but um, I don't. Unfortunately, the game's too too important at that point for them to take that instigator penalty. Right. That's right. Um, right. And Clifford Clifford has had a few concussions in his fights, and he picks and chooses where he's got to go. Uh, sure. And and he's certainly not hesitant to drop the gloves. Jordan Nolan, um, I'm not even sure if he was dressed for that game. It might have been his first game back. He's been out for a while with an injury himself. So. Um, I I think the league needs players like that, and I'm on record as saying that. So I'm not I'm not breaking any news here. But I think that that's going to go a lot farther than two game suspension to detract from yep. that kind of cheap shot. So anyway, I I just wanted to get your your thoughts on the subject, and and I think you covered yeah, it. Yeah, we're well, on the man. same. I think we're on, we're on the we're on the same page for that. So I look forward to uh, the next week's show, and uh, we'll see what how I'm. Uh, a little on pins and needles for tonight's game, but there'll be pins and needles for every game uh, down the stretch uh, for all these teams uh, until until that final buzzer goes off. Yep, yep. We're right there in the heat of it, man. So uh, we're out of time for this week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Good shout-out to our listeners over, over the pond in Finland, Norway, and France. Your numbers keep rising as we go through our analytics here, and, and it's really great to have you guys on board with us. Drop drop us a line, uh, Mark Warner at VegasHockeyPodcast.com, and we'll we'll get your letters or, or, or your emails up, and, and it'll be great to hear from you. And all of our other listeners in the USA and Canada, as always, thank you so much. And same bad time, same bad channel next week, 1130 on Saturday seems to be where we're settled in. So we'll talk to everybody next week. For Mark, for Chris, I'm Mark. We're gone. <laughs>